0: Five, four, three, two, one. Well, there was a
1: slight small problem in that I was married to someone else at the time, but eventually it all worked out. It was all for the better.
2: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of UFT Medicine Faculty After Hours. We're so excited to have you join us today as we have a pair of very special guests who single-handedly shepherded us through ITM or to Medicine uh, and made hematology one of our favourite le- sessions or sections in CBC1. We'll be talking a little bit about themselves within the department as well as their interest inside and outside of medicine as well as getting into some potential spicy relationship uh, gossip and advice towards the end of the episode so make sure you stick around so come sit with us with your delicious cup of tea or coffee and enjoy another piping hot episode of faculty after hours welcome back guys my name is kenneth williams i'm the speaker for medsoc
3: My name is Danielle Lewis, and I'm the Student Engagement St. George for MedSoc.
0: My name is Dilshan, and I'm the VP Education for MedSoc.
3: So before we get started, we're just wanting to introduce our amazing guests. So today we have with us Dr. Wells. Dr. Wells is a hematologist at Sunnybrook Hospital. He received his MD at Memorial University of Newfoundland and his PhD at Oxford. He did postgraduate training in internal medicine and hematology in Toronto and postdoctoral fellowships at Yale, the University of Toronto and Harvard. He's also our CBC1 hematology lecturer and one of our favourite lecturers who made our first year amazing with his amazing lectures and also impeccable suits. So that's our first guest. Our second guest that's joining us today is Dr. McLeod. Dr. McLeod is a hematologist who completed her training at the University of Toronto, McMaster University and Harvard University and currently works within the Department of Hematology and Medical Oncology and the Thromboembolism team at Sunnybrook Hospital. She is also an assistant professor at the University of Toronto, and her area of academic interest is cancer-associated thrombosis and hematologic disorders in pregnancy. Dr. McLeod is also our wonderful ITM course director, and we're so excited to have both of these guests joining us today.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much. But, but Danielle, I, I, I hate to be punctilious, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but I'm no longer at Sunnybrook. So <gasps> oh. I've had a, oh. Oh. So I've had a, a significant change in career direction. And currently I am the regional supervising coroner for Toronto West Region. So I'm I'm no longer practicing hematology and I'm no longer working at a teaching
3: hospital. Oh gotcha. Well, you know what? Google is lying to me. I'm so sorry.
4: (laughs) My facts are all
3: wrong.
4: It it must be very shocking for you to learn that the internet sometimes gives faulty information. You know what? I remember how I felt.
1: And to be fair, it's a very recent change.
4: It is a very, very
3: recent change. Okay, gotcha. Well, thanks for (laughs) updating us and the students.
0: You heard it here
2: first.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Juicy gossip right here.
2: <laughs> well, hopefully you'll still be giving lectures next year or this year. I'm certainly giving lectures this year. Okay, good.
0: And what, so, before we begin, sorry, what What does punctilious mean? I find my vocabulary always growing with Dr. Wells' lectures. So
4: punctilious is unpleasantly attentive to details.
3: Okay. Gotcha. Um,
2: all right, proceed, Kenny. I was just going to say we can move on to the rapid-fire questions if we want. Let's do it. Uh, Dilshan, do you want to take the lead on that one? Get him, Mark. Okay. <laughs> so we we're going to start off with a very simple one. Coffee
0: or tea?
4: Coffee.
0: Tea. Uh, follow up, Starbucks or Timmy's? False dichotomy. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is also cool because we're also going to see kind of whether you guys are going to match up in your answers or how if you're going to go separate ways with some of these questions. Um, what's your favorite color to wear? Blue. Fuchsia. <laughs> uh, a nickname that your parents used to call you.
1: I've never had a nickname.
4: My parents, uh, when I was very young, called me Gunk. But that that itself was a nickname of a nickname. The full nickname was the Gunklino.
0: Oh, can we we hear the reasoning behind that one or? I'm afraid I'm not aware of any reasoning. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys have nicknames for each other?
4: Sir? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's only for me, right? <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: No.
0: And next one. What's one of your weirdest quirks?
4: Uh, I myself have no quirks.
1: Oh, really? I, I was going to leave all the time for you to uh, explain <laughs> your quirks. <laughs> I, don't ha- I don't know of any quirks that I have.
4: Oh, tell them about my quirks then, if you if you find I have so many.
1: Uh, well, I would say obsession with correcting everyone's grammar to the point of um, everyone in the family being extremely scared to speak at times. I would say. Um, Sometimes if you get a song in your head, you cannot let it go until you found the video and played it loudly with everyone in the family watching the video about 10 times. Um, There's a few uh, limericks and songs that once they get in your head, you have to repeat them over and over and over again to the family again, so that they're sort of family lore.
2: Mm.
4: These are not quirks, these are features. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: Uh-huh. Okay.
4: Awesome. Um
0: favorite joke or story that you've heard in the last two weeks?
4: I've been forbidden to disclose this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> scandalous. Well, I heard a funny story when I was talking with the two T4 class presidents, which was that uh, in the very first week of school, we had an 8 a.m. lecture, which was a webinar, mm-hmm. which, in fact, the rules for the webinars are supposed to be that you're not allowed to be on camera. But in this was actually, although it said lecture, was booked as a meeting because they had breakout rooms. And so the poor students at 8 a.m., unbeknownst to them, were forced to be on camera. Including many oh. students who were at a 5 a.m. time zone, um, oh. so hearing hearing the students describe how they had to find clothing and brush their hair and things within like 10 seconds, I thought that was pretty cute.
0: Oh so my gosh!
1: We're now tagging those lectures as in camera required, just 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 to help everybody out.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank goodness that hasn't happened to us.
1: That so. never happened when you had to show up in the lecture hall in MSB, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully no. everyone
0: brought their clothes. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> uh, next That's one, a little
2: Zoom university, I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, next question
4: is, who is your role model? Well, i go first. My My role model is Yvonne Kornway. Do you want to dive into that? <laughs> So, uh, is... as as I'm sure you know, Ivan Conway was the right winger for the 1976 Montreal Canadiens, also known as the Roadrunner. Mm. Ooh,
2: legs like tree trunks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you play hockey? I used to. What about you, Dr. McLeod? Um, I uh, I think
1: I have role models for different parts of my life, but. Um, You know, you have a role model for parenting and one for education and one for clinical work. And um, yeah, so lots of different people I think that I've learned from along the way, but probably, you know, it's hard to get away from. Your parents are still there, you know, making you do the right things all the time. Yeah,
2: they're always in the back of your head.
0: (laughs) Um, Next question uh what's
4: one thing that you put on your bucket list i don't really believe in bucket lists i think live life as it comes mm.
1: i still want to go see some places in the world but that's kind of a boring bucket list no
2: what places especially now that we can't really travel anywhere
1: yeah well i, I really would like to go to the galapagos and i would like Ooh. to um uh, I would like to go to South America. I've never been to South America. And
2: um, yeah. Those are some awesome places.
1: exotic places. Yeah. -hmm. I've only been to Northern Africa. I've never been elsewhere in Africa,
2: so I'd like to do that. I really want to go to South Africa.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've been anywhere in Africa. The question that I just thought of now, actually, we had a list here, but one that I kind of just thought of now, what's your uh, favorite Dr. Wells word. Like what like a one of his big words. One <laughs> of
1: his big words. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. What big words do you use at home?
3: How about honey.
4: Cornucopia. Eh. Yeah.
3: That's pretty average. <laughs> average. <laughs> <laughs> What we also still have punctilious.
1: <laughs> One of our kids is as OCD about language, so I don't know. You kind of lose lose perspective after a while. <laughs> <laughs> On the OCD.
0: I'm sure we'll hear some some words throughout. <laughs>
1: um,
4: next question: texting or calling? I
1: think.
4: Calling. This is a coded question about age.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't call Ortex, so don't yeah. even pretend. Yeah. fair,
4: fair. I just want to be alone.
0: <laughs> uh, if you could bring one thing with you, if you got stuck on a desert island, what would it be?
4: Anna. I
0: Aww. told
1: you, you better say that or you were out of the family, so. Yeah, I can't believe you remembered. I'm gonna bring no, lots of mysteries to read, so there you go.
0: <laughs> Next question is, if you could, I, don't, I just read that one. What's your favorite hobby? If you have
4: time for one. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
4: You go ahead, Anna.
1: There's not a lot of time for hobbies, I, I don't think. Uh, we were singing in a choir for a little while,
4: we're mm-hmm.
1: not. Um, in the spring, I do a lot of gardening, and then ITM starts, and everything kind of goes wild, and that's about the end mm-hmm. of it. Um, and that's that's pretty much it for me.
4: I think choir was was really a very successful hobby. The after you know, Anna joined before I did, but. The first performance we had after I joined was uh, the Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which was mm. just thrilling. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go for choir.
0: Are there any videos online that we can dig up or if we hear
4: a live sample or? <laughs> was there?
1: I, I don't think, know, there might be.
4: We was some, some CD of something, I thought.
1: Yeah. We sang in the Toronto Classical singer, so it's all classical music,
2: but it was, it was good. It was fun. We'll all try to dig times. something up after to put in the <laughs>
0: <words>. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, what's one skill that you'd like to learn?
1: Uh, I would like to learn carpentry.
4: Hmm. I would like to play yeah. the trombone.
1: <laughs>
4: Ooh, that's a good one. Why the trombone specifically? Trombone is the most elegant and cool of the instruments. With the trombone, you can play any type of music, by which I mean, you can play classical music and ska. So
2: I... <laughs> what What is ska? Oh, come on. <laughs> like, I'm assuming, like, when I think of trombone, I think of classical and then jazz. Mm. But... So, so ska is kind of developed reggae. Oh, okay. And,
4: and the apogee of ska, I'm, I'm happy to provide you this, ed- this education, the apogee <laughs> of ska, is two-tone. So, T-U-T-O-N-E. I encourage you to investigate the works of the
2: specials. Okay, we will look into it after. All right.
0: (laughs) This is a very, very important question. Uh, Which goes
4: first, cereal or milk? How can you ask that, you monster?
1: (laughs) It's not a legitimate (laughs) question. (laughs)
0: there are there are some people who do it a certain way that we don't
2: agree with here uh, although this is an inclusive and accepting environment
1: <laughs> <laughs> we all
2: belong
0: <laughs> upper uft fashion it,
1: except except for maybe on this one point
0: we <laughs> <laughs> put that in the in the application for the program this question uh, uh what's one book you read recently that you'd recommend to students so uh
4: i i can pick that one up i've recently been uh reading a book uh by tuft entitled beautiful evidence and it's it's just a it's a lavishly it's kind of a coffee table book but it's lavishly lavishly illustrated and it's all about uh, the importance of data presentation uh, there's, a, there's a lovely chapter about the, the crimes of PowerPoint. <laughs> it, it, it's really... I think everyone in medicine should read it. Um, because it, it's made me a better person, and it could do the same for you. So What was
0: it called? Beautiful evidence by... By Tuft. Edward, Tuft. Edward Tuft. Edward Tuft, okay. T-U-F-T add that to the reading list. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Dr. McLeod?
1: I've read a lot of stats on ITM MEs, Um <laughs> And to get me calmer, I've read a recent mystery set. Uh, the one I'm reading right now is set in Turkey. And I just finished one set in uh, Laos. Is that how you say it? Laos?
2: Leos? Laos? Laos, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, and before that I read one set in Paris, so uh, that's it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. What are Definitely they called? The... Which one? Uh, I guess maybe all of them are your favourite one from, that, from those three.
1: Uh, my favourite one from that, the, my favourite one of those three was uh, Louise Penny, which is a Canadian author from Quebec um, mm-hmm. called uh, All the Devils Are Here, I think, something like that. That's the one set in Paris. Mm-hmm. That's worth reading. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, can I cut you off there? What were you gonna say?
2: No, I was just gonna say I also like reading to just escape a little bit. Mysteries or sci-fi. It's really important yeah. to just get away from everything a little while, especially if you're looking at stats.
1: Yeah, I've been thinking of branching out into sci-fi. Do you have any sci-fi recommendations? Just
2: oh, don't get me started. <laughs> um, it depends on if you like audiobooks or like paperback or hardcover. I no longer have time in my day to sit down and read, but I can well, listen to things on my way around. Right. Um, so if I was going to rec- recommend something that eases you into the sci-fi tropes and all those themes, I would recommend The Expanse um, by... Now, I can't... I'm blanking on the na- author's name, but if you just look up The Expanse, you'll come up with a TV show or the novel. Um, it's really good because it, like, Starts in the near future and then just dives right in. Okay, good. Thank
1: you. I read a lot of sci-fi as a kid and then I've never been back to it. So, that's a good, good I'm trying
2: idea. to get into fantasy a bit more now with Brandon Sanderson. But.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: So I can recommend you a nice uh, audio book, mm-hmm. um, which you possibly have already enjoyed this, but The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, it's that's so good. So- <laughs> it's-
2: It's just
4: brilliant.
2: It was essentially the Bible in my household because my dad was a huge sci-fi fan, and he's British, so he's just like, "This has to be read read and discussed at least once a year." That's great. I heard so many good things about that book over the years. Haven't gotten around to, to it yet. Yeah, it's a cult classic for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: I've, I've discovered that uh, in the underground car park at the Forensic Science and Coroner Complex, okay. uh, I'm, I'm easily able, because it's the furthest parking spot from the door, to get parking spot number 42. So that's where I park every mm,
2: day. That's so good. <laughs> and when you read the book, you'll get that reference. Yes. <laughs> uh, the next question actually
0: kind of relates to something that came up earlier uh what's your favorite song currently i apologize dr mccott if i opened up pandora's box here (laughs) yeah
2: we don't want to trigger you
1: (laughs) yeah no triggering please (laughs) should i go first i'll go first yeah um so so lately my uh daughter has uh so it started as sort of a just developing a, a new playlist for me. I, I seem to have some sort of mental uh, block against make, creating playlists myself. So I just farm it out to my children with very specific uh, requests. So we have a an, an old country playlist. So Jolene by Dolly Parton has been my awesome. once on the way home, once on the way back, walking to work kind of song recently, I gotta say.
4: So my, my playlist springs out of my mind at me. Uh, and suddenly, I will remember a snatch of a song from the past. And then I have to listen to it 100 times. So at the moment, the song that I'm listening to 100 times is Me, Myself, I by Joan
2: Armatrading from 1980. Sing it for we'll have so much. Yeah. We'll have so much music for this one episode. <laughs> <laughs> it be chaotic mm-hmm. all the different songs.
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> next question is:
4: uh, Are you a dog or a cat person? Again, <laughs> this is a question that has no meaning or value. <laughs> if you will forgive me for saying, <laughs> perhaps I'm being too harsh.
1: <laughs> so I would say both. I've always prided myself on not having any attachment to pets, and then broke you down. <laughs> but then, my daughter forced us to get uh, a dog who we are all very attached to, and then one of our kids brought home a cat, so now mm. we actually have both and oh. it' sort of be like choosing between your children now to say whether cat or dog was your favorite. I have to confess. Mm. Well
0: that's funny, so the next question was like what's your favorite child so <laughs> 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 right, skip that. Oh, one get there. me started. <laughs> uh, ooh, here's a fun one. Uh, name of a drug that you have the toughest time pronouncing?
1: Eculizumab.
4: That's, That's so struggled. ironic. That's so ironic. So ironic. Because <laughs> I, I happen to have sacrificed my academic integrity by um, working very strongly with the makers of eculizumab. <laughs> So, this is really a a veiled
2: reproach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing veiled.
2: What about uh, you, Dr. Wells? Do you have a drug name that is typical? (laughs) I mean, everyone finds some (laughs) trouble with
4: acetylsalicylic acid. But really, if if there's a drug I can't pronounce, I simply don't prescribe it.
2: Ah, fair enough.
0: You gotta add that to the guidelines then, <laughs> pronunciation.
2: <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to, pronounce, like, prescribe anything. <laughs> uh, what's the toughest clinical examination
4: that you learned in school that you've never used in practice? Um, the cremasteric reflex.
1: Anything <laughs> 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 doesn't to come, come to up very often.
4: Ortho. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the last one here uh what's the toughest medical procedure that you've ever performed
1: a funny story i happen to have done three bone marrows Mm -hmm. on dr wells at various times all for research purposes and (laughs) not that i doubt my abilities but you can imagine might be slightly stressful doing that kind of a procedure on someone
4: you know quite well, so. Well, imagine the trust that it takes to subject (laughs) oneself to such a procedure. Hey,
1: it was your your research. (laughs) It
4: was my research. (laughs) It was also my posterior superior (laughs) iliac spine, but fair.
1: And you're still here, so.
4: And I'm still here. Yeah, for me, uh, I was thinking a bit about this. Really, I have to be a little bit scatological here, but the most difficult for me was digital disimpaction. <laughs> I just found that really hard to get through. I did. And it's probably the, the single procedure that brought the most patient satisfaction.
2: So it's, it's a tough one.
4: <laughs>
2: Uncomfortable for both of you, I'm sure. <laughs>
4: assuming so this was was kind of a... wasn't
2: during your <laughs> hemat like while you were practicing hematology.
4: This no, this was quite early in my clinical training. Okay.
2: Yeah. Um as as you will
4: no doubt discover, the the least pleasant procedures tend to devolve to the most junior on the team.
3: Mm. Can't wait.
4: Look <laughs> forward to it. <laughs> uh yeah those are our rapid fire
0: questions i don't know how rapid it was necessarily but it was, it was fun learning these things anyways um now we're gonna switch over to some uh it's a little bit longer questions that, to really elaborate on something and get to know you guys better um so danielle gave you guys a wonderful introduction but in your own words can you describe your role in the faculty
1: so uh in the faculty i um I'm the week lead for the two blood weeks and I'm also the week lead for week 11, which is our integration week in ITM and then I'm the course director for ITM. So um, I like ITM because it's, it's the beginning and it's, it's how to kind of get people, it's sort of like getting people used to a new language and culture and way of behaving and um, I like that part of it, I have
4: to say, yeah. So and a lot facu- of other
1: crappy jobs, but, but that's, those are the good things.
4: <laughs> my faculty jobs uh, remain uh, the, the teaching that I do uh, in ITM and in CPC1. In, in ITM, I'm the co-week lead in the uh, inflammation and cancer weeks. Uh, and I share that role with Corwin Rauzel. <laughs> and uh, in in CPC one, I am the faithful servant of Dr. McLeod, the weak lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so one of my great joys continues to be uh, the performative as- aspect of giving lectures and and the challenge of making an hour on lymphadenopathy, something that, that doesn't drive people absolutely nuts.
2: And I definitely think we can all attest that your guys' lectures were very enjoyable, um, if not a highlight from the courses that we took last year. That is kind. We, we hope that the two T4s and whatever lucky incoming students in the future also enjoy your lectures. I
4: hope
1: so. We had inflammation on Monday, so it was it was pretty fun. <laughs>
2: uh ah,
4: speak for yourself <laughs> i was fine A <laughs> little medical humor there did you catch it
0: yeah
4: going it's, off that sorry it's it's quite a quite a difference teaching by zoom yes that's it, yeah it's it's much less emotionally exhausting after after a lecture at msb i would be absolutely wrung out at be. Wrecked for the rest of the day, and it wasn't quite so, so much. Doing it by right. Zoom, still a little bit though. Yeah,
2: I think on the students' end, it does become quite draining, mm-hmm. just because we're always on there throughout the week. But for sure, I can see how teaching it, it's a bit more relaxed. You're, uh, you're not in, directly in front of everyone. Yep. Uh,
4: which and, definitely yeah, definitely must be less taxing. In fact, and Anna said I wasn't allowed to say this during the lecture, but in fact, oh, <laughs> I, I
2: wasn't wearing any trousers. <laughs> I wasn't gonna ask, but you said it. So. <laughs> that's, that's proper Zoom attire though, so. <laughs> exactly. Sweatpants on the bottom half always.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think it's hard though, because what so much of what you get out of the lectures is seeing people's reaction right and like even for me for the three minutes where I'm speaking at the end of three lectures on the Monday just to give announcements or something like you have zero sense of whether things are going over or whether whether you're being warm or cold like it just it's very very hard to um it's hard to adjust right like when you're lecturing you adjust every second you're adjusting because people look bored so you speed up or people look um like they're really interested so you spend more time on something but that is really missing it's very it's weird yeah
0: it's challenging um but i'm sure if, if you guys just even just the way you're talking now um i'm sure the lectures are going great as well
3: um, do you so have any I- Oh, sorry. I was going to ask if you have any um, strategies for online lectures to try and make them more engaging or like to help you teach?
4: Uh, it's, it's all kind of evolving and I've, I, I've really given very, very little uh, online teaching. Uh, it's, it's, it is tricky and Anna's absolutely right. If you can't make eye contact with your audience, you don't have access to, to that source of information feeding back to help you adjust. You don't really have the power of gesture. All you have really is uh, modulation of tone and pace. So uh, the way that I've approached it is to, is to shorten my lectures a little bit because I've been warned and warned that Zoom lectures take a bit longer and the worst thing in the world is to run over time. That—that that, I mean, I remember so clearly, even though it's a million years ago, how much I hated it when lectures ran, lecturers ran over time when I was in medical school. And I bet that's a universal thing. So it, it's always better to, to, to take less time than allotted than even slightly more. And... I don't know. It's it's just really challenging all the way around. I think you as students must feel that it's unfair and you're being ripped off. And you are, and it is. You just have to try to soften that as much as we can. And I think for the...
2: Sorry, go for it, Dr.
1: <laughs> oh no no, I just say we've you know I, I... Each week I say to people, try the polls, or try word cloud, or use the chat function, or, um, but they're all very, you know, they're all band-aid little little tiny things. Really, what it mainly does is let the lecturer know that, yeah, somebody actually is there, like the participant number isn't a lie, but we found, we have started, we switched in ITM now to um, doing all the questions by having students on mic is that the right turn? Unmute their mic. I would say the <laughs> mic. Unmute their <laughs> mic and actually speak and then record all those questions live. And even that sort of little brief, oh, you know, get to know someone's voice or actually link a voice and a name or see their name come up on the on the panel has been it's a big very, very exciting.
2: <laughs> it makes it more personal,
1: I guess, yeah.
2: in this very impersonal time. Mm-hmm yeah something
0: we guess we don't really think about from the student side like we're just watching the lecture on our own but then from your end you're just speaking into the void so it must be nice to have
2: any little interaction that you can get i think we're going to move on from this question but we can definitely dive into it if it comes up again um so both of you uh, at one point or another practice hematology Um, (laughs) so our next question is why medicine in general and why the fields that you guys have gone into whoever
4: wants to take it first so so I, I'll, I'll jump in and let Anna think about her answer so so it's a funny thing I didn't really go into medicine because I wanted to go into medicine I went into medicine because I wanted to go to medical school um, and th- this is because somehow when I was in around the end of my freshman year as an undergraduate I was irreversibly seized by the, the notion that um, ordeal was, was really the the, the... the testing by ordeal uh, was really the, the noblest pursuit. I uh, mean, honestly, I was very young. Uh, but, but I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I need to go into something really, really scholastic. And so I thought, ah, law school, great. But it turns out that my university, Memorial University New Newfoundland, didn't have mm. a law but we did have a medical school. So I went to the medical library in the evenings and I saw these medical students suffering and working and they looked like they were about to die. And I thought, ah, oh, yes. So, so I applied to medical school. And it wasn't until much, much later that I actually wanted to go into medicine. Really, not until probably... Probably until about three or four years after I finished my M.D. So so it's something that came on to me quite gradually. And by that time, fortunately, I'd already done medical school. So it was quite convenient.
2: I love that uh, we have a bit of an East Coast um, presence on the podcast. It's very few people that I know that come from the East Coast. So it's nice Ah. to hear. I'm from Halifax originally. Oh, fantastic. Good. We're practically brothers. Basically. <laughs> basically related. But well, that's what everyone in Ontario thinks. Yes. Yeah. What about you, Dr. McLeod? Why medicine?
1: Um, why did I do medicine? Um, well, probably looking back, I would say fear of disappointing my parents was probably the main reason. Um, but having said that, I think that um, my dad was a doctor and loved it and believed that it was really a truly, noise used to say it was such an amazing privilege because it was such a window into people's lives that you never got any other way. Um, and I would say also it was only sort of later after the all the anxiety of getting in and know doing something worthwhile with your life and making sure you were a decent human being all that sort of wore off that i realized that it it, he was right and and that is the part of medicine that i love no matter what when i sit down to see patients i i I really do love that there's lots of other stuff i don't love but that part of it is very very special so
2: and i definitely think from just being in clinic and shadowing in my our first year, that was definitely something that I didn't realize that like people just open up to you immediately. The second you say, I'm a medical student, they open up. And I think definitely once the 2T4s and the upcoming years experience that, that's something that they're love as well. I think it's a pretty universal aspect that students don't realize that people just open up to you the second you say, I'm a medical professional in any way. And um, I think it's pretty uniform that people really love that. So.
1: Yeah, medical school it. is not
2: medicine, mm-hmm. not by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, yeah. Awesome, so That's
0: it's, yeah, it's really, really interesting that like both of you didn't necessarily have this like
2: internal drive for medicine right away and it sort of came along later down the road. Because I think nowadays at least the application process and just the competition nature of medicine makes it like you have to have known you wanted to do medicine since you were an infant.
4: Yeah. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible and destructive. You, you've got practically incessant cycles of applications. You, yes, you yes. barely get to where you are before you have to start begging to go to where you want to go next. I, I think yeah. it's dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. And I'm, I'm so sorry you all have to suffer it. It
2: ain't right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, when I mean, when we went when we were training, people would switch from their residencies, they'd do a year oh. of internship and then decide what to do. There was certainly more yeah. flexibility in the system. Yeah.
2: yeah. We were. We interviewed Dr. Um, Houston before this, um, and she was saying that that is not a possibility at, at all nowadays. You cannot, you have, the second you match, that is your career. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah and it's That's very, I think having some people have a a very the ability to be very strategic about things and other people there's much more emotional parts to it and I think that that the lack of flexibility really um, causes some people to lose out if you're not the strategic type of thinker which I can I certainly know I would never have been so
0: that's really scary like Oh, we have this couple of years and then <laughs> that's uh-huh. it. <laughs> yeah.
1: But we'll all have jobs. So,
0: yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Very important. Uh, so, on the advice of, or on the the topic of kind of looking back to like when we were uh, younger, what's some advice that you'd give to your younger self and then some advice that you'd give to med students now?
4: Can I start? <laughs> so, I've, I've, I've recently devoted a certain amount of thought to this and this is what I've come up with. Fun is good. I think it's it's remarkable that human beings, after all of these many, 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 many centuries of evolution, retain the capacity for fun uh, and I think that traits that are maintained over many 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 generations are maintained for a reason and so fun is there because it does something for us i think fun is a very important evolutionary signal and it tells us that the thing that we are doing when we experience fun is something that we're good at and we should keep doing it and so I think more than anything else, we need to be guided by fun. Figure out what's fun and do that thing. Because the way this career works, you're going to be doing it for a long, long time. So you better enjoy it. And it's, it's, it's good to think strategically. I agree with Anna, absolutely. But you can't do that from a, an absolutely dry position you need to decide first where your strategy must lead you. So it's no good to just sit down and think and say, well, you know, populations aging, there's gonna be a lot of old people with sore joints, I'll do rheumatology. That's 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 not going to lead to happiness. But if you get your first goniometer and you're just transported to, to joy by measuring Uh, joint ranges of motion, that's something different. That might mean that inside, in your core, in your soul, you're a rheumatologist, that's what you must be. Do that thing, it's fun. That's what I think. I like that.
0: How about you, Dr. McLeod?
1: I I think the one thing I would, the main thing I would do differently is that, I think that sometimes it's very difficult to do things in a different way. It's very difficult to say, this is how it's done because so much of medicine is becoming sort of part of the culture and fitting in. Um, And you think, and and you are told, this is what you have to do to get where you need to be. Um, but, But there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that really can be different and and I wish that I had trusted I wish I'd trusted some of my instincts when I felt things weren't right that they should have been changed and and spent more time and energy on that. Um, I think now I'm just old so I don't really care much about what people think or say anymore so it, it's very freeing and I just wish that I had incorporated that much earlier into my sense of what what i wanted to do i guess does
2: that make sense i think those are really two great pieces of advice right there they go together pretty well too Uh,
0: don't don't worry about what other people think and have fun so
3: i guess um while we're on the topic of reflection (laughs) we're wondering if you couldn't have gone into medicine or medical education what would your dream job have been otherwise
4: left wing on the 1976 montreal (laughs) i still have dreams which i'm finally getting my shot with the habs and i'm in the lower reaches of the forum because my dreams haven't kept up with the changes in arena i'm in the lower reaches of the forum and i'm just about to go up to the to the ice level and i realize i can't find my skates and then the rest of the dream is is spent frantically trying to find my skates and then the i very strongly aware of the time ticking away the game is going to be over and my chance will be gone i'm still haunted haunted by it
1: um i think i would like to my dream job would be to be a writer i think to be more to have time to think and reflect and be good at it (laughs) so that you could produce things that could move people um i don't really think it matters that it's on a large scale or a small scale but that you could communicate that way and reach lots of people that's that's probably what i were in my next life that's what i would choose
2: kind do you kind of write anything you? on the back end i think that's what Delphine was gonna ask
1: sorry
0: uh i guess yeah me and kenny kind of have the same thought like do you like write anything like sort of uh, on your spare time or like what kind of style would you write if you had
1: the time um what would i write um I have no idea. <laughs> Probably <laughs> fiction. I wouldn't write mysteries. I would write more um, fiction. And although we have spoken many times about writing a mystery together that's based oh. on some sort of hematologic.
2: Ooh, that'd be so
4: fun! I think find right the up leukemia, up. <laughs> <laughs> find the blast. <laughs> um.
1: oh.
4: One of our kids, uh, I think, has. Uh, somehow absorbed this desire and and is uh, really a quite accomplished writer. He's currently writing short stories that are just bewilderingly haunting and um, perceptive and writing about things and exhibiting emotions that surely he's not experienced. It's (laughs) really baffling to me. Hopefully, Maybe one day after,
0: like down the line, you'll be able to start writing this mystery together. <laughs> you'll have to put that on the reading list as well, in addition to the books that we talked
4: about earlier. Yes, yes, you must all buy a copy. We'll be rich.
2: <laughs>
1: so we won't give up our day jobs yet.
2: Fair. <laughs> yeah, <Sarah>. yeah. <laughs> Um, so this question is more directed towards Dr. Wells, but uh, if Dr. McLeod wants to chime in about her opinions, she can definitely do so. Um, so one of the many attributes or features of your lectures that we all enjoyed last year was the immaculate suits that you'd wear during lectures. So where do you get them? And what would you describe as your style? Uh,
4: so, uh- First of all, my tailor is Isaac Eli. He's, he has his atelier in North Toronto. Um, and how would I describe my style? I think I would call it anachronistic dandy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, I think the, 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 the suit and hat combinations are meant to inspire uh, awe in equal measure with gentle ridicule, <laughs> so it's it's I, it's meant to prevent uh, prevent me and others taking
2: me too seriously. Right. Well, I can definitely say that my fellow, my friends in the lecture hall did just absolutely adore the suits, and we wish we had some as well. As <laughs> one day, dress, dress like one you. day, one day, one day, one day. Once we become attendings and we have the. Funds to afford them. Yes, uh, Doctor mcleod did you do you have your thoughts on Doctor Wells' uh, style?
1: No comment. All what right.
2: about the hats, Anna?
1: The hats just give me nightmares. Give me nightmares. <laughs> I just can't take it. I hide them. That's all I can say. <laughs> Hope.
0: Love that. Oh Maybe one day he'll, he'll have dreams about losing his hats instead of the skates. <laughs> <sir. laughs>
3: um, speaking of one day, we're wondering what your legacy will be and what are you most proud of? Is it the suits we're just dying to know <laughs> over here?
4: <laughs> well, so um, I, I, I really, really don't believe in legacies. I think we do what we do. We are what we do and we move on. Uh, I think thinking about legacies is, is just the wrong way of thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of lots of things. I'm proud of, of things uh, that I've done in my professional life, and I'm proud of things that I've done in my personal life. I'm really, really proud of my three children. Um, and My kids have very, very strong characters. Wouldn't you say, Anna? I, th- I think that they've got amazing strength. And they show incredible insight into their own psyches to an extent that I really have not even now achieved into my own. So I I, I think it's wonderful to have one's children uh, outdo oneself, and and that's what I see, and I'm glad of it.
3: And how about you, Dr. McLeod?
1: Yeah, I I think there is nothing that I hope to, there's no legacy I hope to build. I, I don't think that matters. I think if, I think that being a good person day in, day out, um, that's, that's all I can do. And I think for me also, I'm, I'm proud of lots of things I've done in my career, but, um, my kids are good people and that's that's it. <laughs> I
2: love that. Family first. Mm-hmm. So sweet. <laughs> uh,
0: so next question we have here uh, is, what is something that you want students to know about you?
1: Um, I like don't know. <laughs> there's not much left. <laughs> <laughs> To know about me um i don't know i try hard i really do i try my best it doesn't always work but i do try
2: and i think what we could tell from when you were teaching itm or like running the course was that you both just really cared one about the material itself as well as the students and what we cared about and our interest in it and just uh, supporting us through the Two courses, as well as the specific classes that you taught. (laughs) I think it it might
4: be worth sharing that I have always been and continue to be terrified that I don't know enough. And uh, having that feeling, I think, is an important driver. So, if 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 you feel that way when you're in class, number one, uh, it's not an uncommon feeling and number two it's probably why you're there this is this is one of the, the main engines that's driving you so embrace it it may never go away
1: <laughs> just have to manage it a bit but
2: manage it along with the imposter syndrome i think that goes along <laughs> with that yeah, yeah, yeah
1: i think that's the main reason i stayed in academic medicine was just the fear that if i was practicing on my own in the community i would just I would never trust that I was doing the right thing. At least here, I I work with a group. You know, we have rounds regularly. You hear from everybody what they're doing. That that sort of feedback was really, and and being part of you know the med school makes me feel like okay, I'm okay. It's all right. That feedback matters to me. <laughs> right,
2: mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's important to know. Is I think all of us feel that way, especially. Now that we're in second year, we're about to go to clerkship and it's a pretty big transition for us, like with COVID too, online learning. So we're all scared. So it's nice to know that that even um, people in your caliber have that fear still
3: too. Um, so I think we've gotten to our last question. Um, we must have done a good job with these questions if you can't think of anything else to share. But um, <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> our very last question is, we know you've both been a part of U of T for so long. Um, and how does it feel to be a part of the U of T family? And how has U of T changed throughout time? I mean, we saw last week a tremendous like change for U of T in general, but over the course that you've been in U of T if you could just give us some insight. It's
4: it's really hard to say that because over the interval that I've been involved in the U of T I've changed much more than the U of T has and so as I've changed my perspective has changed and so I, I think I'm probably an unreliable narrator to, to, to talk about how U of T has changed.
1: My U of T student number starts with 82 so you have a sense how long I've been part of uh, U of T when I started my undergrad degree in 1982. Um, I think that a lot of the approach has changed, like the curriculum's changed, and but really it hasn't changed that much. It, it's really enthusiastic, bright people and people trying to teach them as best that they can given the situation and the you know the time um you know when I went through U of T we sat for three years in that same lecture hall <laughs> and really did very little else until we went out for clerkship so um yeah it's different in that you have two years of clerkship like little things change and they swing back and forth but um I'm not sure U of T has changed all that yeah.
4: <laughs> I, I think probably the the greatest impact that U of T has on the medical student, the, the education of medical students at U of T is uh, the admission process. Yep. I think the, the quality of people admitted to U of T medical school is so stratospheric that it would be difficult even if you set out to do it intentionally to screw it up. Okay. So I'm you guys are of such high quality as people, as intellects, I, it's staggering. It's just staggering. And really, you're going to teach yourself medicine. That's how it works. You just have to endure the, what, what we throw at you and try not to let it put you
2: off. I'll try not to let all the positive words go to my head. I don't need a bigger ego <laughs> off of me, but um, yeah, I, I think for sure, I think we definitely will listen to those words, and I think it's becoming clear and clear that it's not like undergrad in the sense that a lot of this is truly self-learning, like or self-taught, um, and I, for the most part, it, like I think the, everyone's giving us the right resources for us to actually achieve that. So I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing. Um, So moving on to the second part of this question, I don't think we mentioned it, but you two are married if it wasn't obvious before. Um, And I did mention that we might get into some spicy or um, um, some advice, um, relationship (laughs) advice. So um, how did you guys meet? And do you have any relationship advice for people that are going into these high stress, high intensity healthcare related fields? Well, as you can clearly see, Ours was
4: very much a May-December sort of relationship. Um, so uh, I first met Anna when I was the PGY two uh, on medicine um, in a part of the Toronto General Hospital that no longer exists. So I was sitting in the in the um, the chart room at Seven Bell, uh, as it then was, uh, on the day that. Anna started her rotation as uh, CC4, is that right? Um, And uh, so this was her her first day on internal medicine and uh, she was on my team and that's how we met. And so we had this fantastically intense bonding experience uh, working together on this medical team. Uh, And of course, back then internal medicine was much more difficult. We, we, we had to walk to school and walk home uphill both ways, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but, and of course it's the same now, but it, was, it really was trial by fire. Yes. And, and so we, we got to know one another a bit under really testing circumstances. Uh, and uh, I realized almost instantly that I'd never really met anyone of Anna's quality, just as a as a human being. So I, I managed, I've managed somehow to latch on and have not let go. That's Anna. so
3: sweet.
1: Well, there was a slight small problem in that I was married to someone else at the time but eventually it all worked out. It was all for the better.
4: I wasn't going to mention that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were setting me up to
2: do it, I know. Wow. So would you say that the trial by fire through doing all of the uh, residency and fourth year um, medical school set you guys up for uh, success in terms of domestic life and the unique struggles that that Takes on having kids, dealing with a mortgage, all of that good stuff. Well,
4: oh, as as you know, coming from the East Coast, <laughs> the the sense of shared suffering does draw people together. True, 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 true. <laughs> I think
1: one is. I think there's lots of there's lots of different partnerships that can work. It doesn't it, it doesn't really have to do with being in medicine, but I think one thing that helps is that understanding of how intense medicine is that when um i I mean i can just remember all the sick sick patients during that rotation still and and there was no way you could and it's still the way you cannot walk out from those situations no matter what and if you don't understand that it's it's stressful i think it's stress it's hard for other people to understand how you know how how tough that can be i think early on when we were both in hematology i made a decision that like two leukemia docs wasn't gonna work right like you can't have a family and have two people who can never walk away from the tough you've got leukemia Talk, right so you have to have some balances and so for me doing more benign hematology gave a little more flexibility and that's kind of how we've made it work but I think the, what helps people in medicine be understood is just that that one you 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 don't abuse it but that when you have to do the work you you, you are free to do the
3: work.
2: And I guess from what I gathered, it's really more like it's a, really about communication and clearly just mm-hmm. supporting each other and making sure you have that support network, um, whether it's each other or um, your friends and colleagues. Yeah. Uh, I think in the interest of time, I know we've kept you over. And after seven, um, I think we'll just jump into the next stage. Although it's been awesome to uh, hear about your relationship and <laughs> amazing hearing about how you guys met and how you you've developed this amazing team and family. Um, we'll end this episode with uh, what we do at the end of each episode, which is our favorite student story um, of the month or week. And specifically this week, we're going to be wishing Dilshan a happy birthday because he just had his birthday this past little while so happy birthday buddy happy birthday. thank you, thank you. And, and that allowed him to spend one day away from a call and not studying anatomy so it's all about balance oh my gosh <laughs> so, many uh, so many zooms and uh, with that we're gonna take uh close off this podcast thank you both for joining us it's been absolutely a pleasure to speak with both of you and see you again it's it feels like it's been ages since we've seen you in lecture or <laughs> over Zoom um, and we hope to see you again, whether or not we're uh, in residency during hematology or internal medicine. Um, and yeah, it was awesome to have you. Great.
1: Thank you, so much. Thank you so much. It was very kind of you to indulge us and we don't get out much, so it's very, it's good for yeah. us.
4: <laughs> Hardly anyone listens to us talk. Thank you. <laughs>
1: bye guys thank you
4: goodbye thanks so much one eternity later some people are good at turning the screen
2: some people are less good at turning the big red button at the bottom of the screen
3: (laughs) the one that says leave in red (laughs) and
2: okay so no one say
4: okay boomer (laughs) (laughs) see you dr wells Uh,
0: we're keeping that in (laughs) yeah we're keeping that in